Iowa everywhere. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. John Miller is back with reaction from this week's game. Only on Iowa Everywhere. From the Channel Seat Studios, it's Hawkeye Sundays. Iowa Reaction Podcast following the Hawkeyes. Lost in the Big Ten Championship game, 26 to nothing to Michigan, who will likely be ranked number one this week in the uh, final college football playoff poll, whatever you want to call that thing. And um, if you hear Ginger snoring from time to time during this, I'm just not going to move her because the poor dog, she's, I don't know, she was given months to live last January, and here she is almost a year later. So uh, her breathing is not good, and it's understood. So just. Bear with that. Um, you know, Iowa, I don't know how many times I've said this over the course of my time doing this, but Iowa's defense deserved a better fate. Um, Iowa held Michigan to some of its lowest point totals of the season. And again, this is a season where Michigan right now, uh, you know, Michigan is going to be the number one team in the country. Um, but I saw this from uh, Twitter last night. Michigan's 3.3 yards per play of offense tonight marked their single worst offensive performance in the entirety of the Jim Harbaugh era. The last time Michigan put up only 3.3 yards per play was October 25th of 2014, uh, and that's when Brady Hoke was their head coach. That defensive performance last night by Iowa, 213 total yards, 66 rushing yards, um, third downs, Michigan was 3 of 15 on third downs. 3 of 15 on third downs. Michigan had just 12 first downs in the game. Uh, 66 rushing yards, 64 plays. Um, again, average yards per play of 3.3. An average yards per completion of 6.7, which is exactly the same as Deacon Hill. And just a 1.9 yards per rush for Iowa in this game. I'm telling you, man, you know, this is, this, this is a game that with a, with a competent offense, the offense ranked 90th in the country, Iowa maybe wins this game. Iowa, and, and Iowa is potentially unbeaten. And that is what's at the crux for what I'm going to spend the majority of my time talking about today, okay, is just... The it, it's not that 
I, I don't want to sit here and rant and, and it be in the uh, you know the viewpoint of Iowa as had 10 wins this year. That happened. They were a bad officiating call away from being 11 and one going into this game. And you can't get there with being a bad program. Iowa's not a bad program. This is not a bad quote-unquote team. This is just a horrifically bad and antiquated and out-of-date and needs to be put out to pasture offensive philosophy by Kirk Ferentz. And I've said it before. I'll say it again. I don't know that we can accurately judge Brian Ferentz as an offensive coordinator uh, fairly fairly to Brian based upon the fact that he is uh, having to call offense and do things with essentially one arm tied behind his back because it has to fit fit inside his father's way of looking, uh, uh, his father's way of what offense is going to look like in his program. And that's unfortunate. And, and Kirk never changed. He never varied. Uh, thought that he might to save his son the ignominity of what has transpired, but he did not. His allegiance to that offensive style, it, and that's why I'm just not optimistic on whomever the next hire is for Iowa, because if Kirk didn't change and make some changes, and I'm talking tweaks, I'm not talking wholesale changes, I'm not talking air raid, I'm not talking about uh, abandoning any of the ball control principles that you like, but just doing it in a vastly less predictable way, and also maybe doing it in a way that doesn't take quarterbacks three years apparently to figure out your system, or wide receivers, you know, 90% of a season to figure out your system before they can get on, things like that. But Kirk didn't do it, and I'm not optimistic that he will with the new guy since he didn't do it for his son. But, but again, yes, Iowa, they win 10 games, and I realize to some people how, how whiny the, the criticisms like these can sound. Uh, you may think it's unfair, and I get it. I understand that. It's like maybe some people feel like, well, you, you got, you got a, an A, but you didn't get an A+, plus, so you're grounded. But... It's really just a, in sports, in, in, in football, you, you don't get, if you're Iowa or, or programs on Iowa's level, not the blue blood programs, but the next tier down. And there's a lot of really good programs in that next tier down. When you get opportunities like this, man, you got to seize them. Remember, remember the pain of uh, when Iowa was 12 and 0? And they made it to the Big Ten championship game. And they, it took a, a historic drive by Michigan State at the end to keep Iowa out of the college football playoff. And there, that was painful because you're like, oh, my gosh, th these opportunities don't happen very often. And when they happen, boy, you have to take advantage of it. And Iowa didn't. And they lost. And there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of pain. Um, but, you know. And they've had a couple of opportunities like that literally in the last three seasons. They have had national championship caliber defense. And there's a lot of folks out there that want to say, well, Iowa's defense is only highly rated and only looks so good because they play in that Big Ten West. And, you know, who knows? They, they, they probably wouldn't have as lofty of statistics. But if you watched that game last night, you came away knowing that Iowa's defense is legit, legit elite. Again, Michigan's worst yards per play performance of the Jim Harbaugh 
era, which things like yards per play and those type of statistics are probably the better ones to look at just because, you know, if you get if you run 100 plays in a game and you have 500 yards, it's not as good as if you ran 70 plays and have 500 yards. This was the lowest offensive output. And Iowa's defense looked really, really good. Yeah, John, they scored 26 points. They did, but let me tell you what. Michigan had 14 drives, 14 possessions in this game, 13 real ones. Because the last one, they basically kneeled down and it was over. So let's say 13. And both teams had 13 competitive drives. So, uh, but you know what? And, but Michigan also had uh, a kneel down at the half. So let's say Michigan had 12 competitive drives. It doesn't matter how many I say because Michigan only had one drive, one possession all day where they drove the football longer than 28 yards. And that was their first possession, a 13-play, 52-yard field goal drive. And that was also their opening possession, their scripted possession. And those scripted possessions have the higher probability of working because it's what you've worked on more reps in practice this week. Michigan gets a field goal out of it. They also had to convert a fourth and seven which I said on the podcast with uh, Chris Williams on Friday that I would expect Michigan to be very aggressive on fourth down because Iowa's offense uh, provides no disincentive not to be. And that they possessed the ball for six, uh, six minutes, uh, well, no, not no, four, four, uh, seven minutes and 35 seconds on that one. But again, they did not have another drive all day of longer than 28 yards. They had two exactly 28-yard drives, two 19-yard drives, a 23-yard drive, and then a bunch of nothing. A bunch of nothing. Michigan's average third down distance, 6.5 yards, the same as Iowa's. Um, I mean, this defense balled out. Michigan's touchdowns came off of a 87-yard punt return. Some people said there was a penalty on that. Their other touchdown was uh, one play for six yards after an Iowa fumble. Uh, another field goal came after Iowa turned it over on downs in the third quarter. I think that was on the fourth and one sneak. Uh, another field goal came on a four-play negative three-yard drive when they got the ball on a fumble at Iowa's 18. Another field goal came on a uh, six-yard, 23-yard drive when they got the ball, Iowa turning the ball over on downs. Michigan's two touchdowns came off of Iowa either the special team's mistake or Iowa fumbling the ball on its own um, what own six yard line something around something there that was that Deacon Hill where Kirk Ferentz said after the game the refs told him that his arm was moving forward but his hand wasn't which does seem theoretically impossible as we look at the laws of motion but at any rate this Iowa's def- this is all to say that Iowa's defensive effort was scintillating and spectacular. And Iowa's defense is national championship, get you in the hunt, keep you in the game level good, legit good. Iowa's offense, you know, I- I'm not going to – there's really not a, a need to go too much into specifics there. We, we all know that. But there are some specifics that I'm going to go into on why this just can't keep happening. But again, it's those lost opportunities in life. 
And that's the disappointing thing. There was a lost opportunity here. This season, even though they won 10 games, it was a lost opportunity because I think that this team could have made the playoffs if they would have had competence in offense. And, you know, if they would have had a healthy, a healthy Cade McNamara all season and a healthy Eric All and Luke Lachey, uh, and, and they and they still did the things that they wanted. To, who knows? I mean, I bet they're no worse than eleven and one. And you're like, well, John, you don't you don't have expectations every year of perfection. And you're right, you don't. That would be ridiculous. And eleven wins. You know, there's only one more that they could have got from twelve games. But but. But when you have the opportunity to do something special, which this defense has given Iowa the opportunity to do the last three years to do something special, man, you got to do it. I realize that they've won 29 games over the past three seasons combined, which is almost 10 a year. And that's there's so many programs in this sport that, that don't do that. Iowa's probably one of just seven, eight, nine, ten teams that can say that they've done that. And I get it. And I know this sounds like a whiny little bitch. And I hate that part. But you can't waste these opportunities that the Iowa defense is giving you. That's, that's the disappointing part. And this offense is the disappointing part. It's so boring to watch. It's it, it's it's unexp- inexplicably boring to watch Iowa play offense, and I think the reason why I am most frustrated, maybe I'm more frustrated than most with this, maybe not, is I don't like glass ceilings. I hate them. I hate them in the workplace. I hate them anywhere I've seen them. I mean, five years ago, I got told at my day job, I wanted to be uh, the number two trader. The number one trader wanted me to be the number two trader. I'd always wanted to be, um, you know, since I got into propane back in 1996, I always wanted to be in trading, energy trading. And uh, the, the, number, the number one trader told my boss, hey, I want John to be my, my number one. And the, my boss said, I can't afford to lose John in sales. And that got back to me. And the minute that that got back to me, I made the decision, I'm done. I'm out. Five months later, I left and I started my own consulting business because I can't abide glass ceilings, meaning I can't abide or have limits on what my upside is. My, I can't work within that structure. And that's how I feel as an Iowa fan right now. There are glass ceilings, or there are going to be, rather, in this upcoming and new Big Ten conference. Uh, The sledding's going to be much more challenging as we get into it. Now, next year's schedule isn't exactly daunting. I was talking about this on Twitter last night, and somebody tweeted at me and said, hey, John, this uh, you might want to... You might want to slow down on that, at least for next year, because Iowa's schedule is pretty soft. And I went and looked at it, I'm like, gee, many Christmas. So, yeah, so Iowa has that opportunity. I mean, here's Iowa's schedule next year. Illinois State, Iowa State, both at home. Troy at home. At Minnesota. At Ohio State. Washington at home. At Michigan State. Northwestern. Wisconsin at home. At UCLA. At Maryland. And then Nebraska at home. I mean, I'm not saying that they're going 10 and 2 or 9 and 3. I'm just saying that isn't exactly, you know, it's definitely a tougher schedule than they've. I mean, you, you've got 
you've got Washington and Ohio State on there. You do go to Michigan State, and you have Wisconsin at home, and you do go to UCLA. UCLA hasn't been a world beater lately, but you make that West Coast trip. The point being, things are going to begin to come tougher. Wins are going to be tougher to come by. And up until like the start of up until like the midway point of the 2021 season, I never felt like there was a glass ceiling on the Iowa football program. Now, granted, there were some seasons going into them we would know that Iowa was going to be really challenged this year. So, you adjust your expectations. But when you are carrying a national championship caliber defense with you season in, season out, anything should be possible. And this Iowa defense the past three seasons has been that. They have been that. If Iowa's offense would be, and I see Hassel call it, just give me the 99th best offense. I always say give me the bottom third or 90th best. We're saying the same thing. You give me that offense with this defense and the special teams that Iowa consistently trots out there, and again, this 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 sounds. I'm hearing this out loud coming back to me. I was going to say, well, they could be in. They could have been in uh, Indianapolis the last three years. They were there two of three. John, I get it. I know some of you are going to lose your minds on this. But if this is how you want to watch football, if this is the way you like it, and you're solely, solely only interested, and you're only in it, well, they won the game, didn't they? I'm just here for the wins. Dude, I don't cheer on the football standings that I see in the newspaper. I don't, it doesn't move for that, okay? That's not what I'm here for. That's not what I'm interested in. And I think that's not what most fans are interested in. I'm here to be entertained. I'm here to be taken away for three or four hours, transported some of the crap things that are going on in life to be entertained. And Iowa football stopped being entertaining just about after they beat Penn State and Kinnick in 2021, or Iowa's offense, rather, stopped being entertaining. And it now has just continued down this road, and it becomes a source of frustration. I mean, I, I, I never felt Iowa football had a glass ceiling relative to how, how high they could fly, but I feel that starting next year, that's going to be in play, and I do not like glass ceilings. I mean, we... Every every year before that, I felt like, hey, anything's possible. He gets a few bounces. I mean, we saw him go 12 and 0 in 2015, and and the 2009 and 2010 teams, they were incredibly talented teams. They could hang with anybody. 2002 to 2005, the bullies of the Big Ten, they blooded so many noses during that era. And the 2000 team was the best Iowa football team of my 44 years of watching Iowa football. And I don't feel like this program because of its offense has a chance to do those things anymore john they were just one game away from they were one game away from being a punchline again for five weeks as in how do we have a team like this in a new year's six bowl i mean we're already going to hear that you know I, i can't remember who posted on twitter but Iowa averaged 16.6 points per game through 13 games. 16.6 points per game. It, it, it's, the, it's the lowest scoring average for a team that had won 10 or more games since the 1930s. And that led me to think of something else. What are the last, the last few times that Iowa has averaged less than 16.6 points per game? Well, the last 
Three times it happens, we're all in a row. 2000, Kirk's second year. 1999, Kirk's first year. 1998, Hayden Fry's final year. And before that, 1980, which was the year before Hayden turned things around. And I'm here to tell you, those are not good analogs this side of 25 years. Those things represent the beginning and ends of eras. And I recognize I'm not sitting here saying that Kirk should be fired or that this is guaranteed the end of his era, but we're really, really close to the end. These are the types of things that you see happen at the beginning and ends of eras. Typically, you don't come to an end of an era with one side of the ball being, you know, two, two of three phases being nationally elite the way that Iowa has. But make no mistake about it. These are the hallmarks of ends of eras. And I still don't think it's out of the question that Kirk retires uh, this offseason even though I know that he said something to the contrary. But you know what? There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things that can transpire. But those are not good analogs, folks. And before Hayden Fry in 1980, when was the last time that Iowa averaged less than 16.6? Well, there was a number of times in the 70s and in the mid-60s. But every one of Forrest Eveshevsky's Iowa teams in the 50s and 60s averaged more than 16.6 points per game. Four of Howard Jones's Iowa teams in the 19-teens and the 1920s averaged more than 16.6 points per game. So when I call Iowa's offense archaic, outdated, folks, here's the data. Here's the data over the dogma. We're talking about 1920s, 19-teens, 1950s, 1960s offenses that were more imaginative and productive than the offense at Iowa that we've seen this season as it relates to scoring points. And that is utterly amazing to me. And I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know that it's going to matter who the OC is. We started the show out today by talking about that close to the end here. Hats off to, to Phil Parker. If he doesn't win the Broyles award, they should, they should just not give it out because he's clearly the best coordinator, the best assistant coach in all of football and, and spare me this Michigan bullshit for stuff that they've imposed upon themselves. And, you know, I mean, I want to sit here and say that Michigan was just not that impressive, but that probably takes away from Iowa's defensive approach. Um, their, their defense is really solid, but they were gettable. Um, I, we'll, you know, we'll see how the playoff brackets come out. But, you know, it's probably if Florida State does make it. And again, I don't know how the committee is going to do this. If it was me and who I would choose, I would choose Michigan and Washington and Texas and Bama. And I tweeted that out last night before the Michigan game. Um, and Florida State's got a really good defense. But, you know, Florida State has a second, third string quarterback playing. Their, their star got hurt uh, a month, month and a half ago. And some people say, uh, some people actually say you're a moron if you think that they should be negatively impacted by that. I remember in 2000 when uh, Martin for Cincinnati in basketball, he got hurt, done for the year, and they cost him a seed line. And, you know, again, what, what's, the, what are the, uh, what's the committee trying to do here? Are they trying to put the four best teams right now out there? Um, I don't know. We'll see. See how it plays out. But I, I think I, I have a, a futures 
I hold two futures tickets right now, Michigan to win the to, to, the championship and Florida State to win the championship. And if if both of them are in the playoff, I would put them as my third and fourth. I, I don't know that either of them will win the championship. I would probably bet on Texas or Alabama. If those two teams, within, Texas and Alabama wouldn't get in if Florida State got in. Um, regardless, we can talk about that some other time. Yes, definite congratulations to this program and Kirk and the coaches keeping this team together through some amazing adversity uh, relative to injuries. And yes, I if Cade McNamara were healthy all year and Luke Lachey and, and Eric Hall didn't you know get season-ending injuries, I think things would have looked a lot better. And what's amazing still is they won 10 games this way. And, yeah, that they're to be commended for that, keeping the players' heads together, keeping everybody uh, – keeping the defensive guys from killing the guys over on offense for being inept and not executing, um, and, and just keeping everyone rowing the boat in the same direction. And that is commendable. And Kirk Ferentz is among the best at that that there is in the sport, and he is a college football Hall of Fame coach. He is just married to this 1990s NFL style of offensive philosophy that is no longer getting it done, that no – no one in the NFL is continuing to still run. And you, you know, I was watching the championship games a lot yesterday. It, it, you can't have a quarterback who can't extend the change with his feet other than a quarterback sneak. That doesn't count. I mean, it's just amazing the difference that that makes. And Iowa just doesn't have it. And they're not going to have it again next year with Cade McNamara coming back. So um, I tell you, uh, Caleb Brown, five receptions, 34 yards. He was targeted 11 times, and it's good to see. He's a player. Will they be able to keep him? I don't know. I mean, if you're if you're if you're Caleb Brown, um, you probably could get some financial offers elsewhere where they actually throw the ball to receivers on a regular basis. So we've got to like, pay attention to that. What about Caleb Johnson? Does he get an offer from another program? Boy, those are the times we are in. And again, those are the reasons why just contributing to the fact that I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that Kirk will be back, even though he said he was. A lot, to, a lot of time to talk about that in the offseason as well. Thank you for listening to this. Let you go. Have a good Sunday. All right, we now welcome into the Channel Seed Studios this Hawkeye Sunday presented by Keller Manufacturing from Channel Seed Studios. We got Chad Winterbor, Iowa loses Big Ten title game 26 0, just number two Michigan. Chad, what are your thoughts on the game? I, it's like all year long. I just feel bad for the defense. They played phenomenal tonight. Um, you couldn't have asked the defense to do much more other than getting a pick six or a a fumble scoop for a touchdown. I mean, that that's the only thing more they could have done. Um, it's just the offense just absolutely could not do anything once again. And the bottom line is, I said last week, Iowa needed to actually win the turnover battle by three to four or more. And, and now they lose it by three tonight. You just absolutely cannot do that. Yeah, it was just killer. Speaking of turnovers, I think we need to talk about that uh, Deacon Hill. Was it a forward pass? Was it a fumble? What do you think? I I couldn't tell if his arm was really coming forward. Um, like I said to you earlier, to me, the weirdest part was they blew the play dead, and then Michigan recovered it after that. So 
before they made the ruling, I would have thought that they wouldn't have given it to him because it was after the whistle, but evidently I didn't know the rule well enough, but that that definitely was a hard pill to swallow, but it, it wasn't the difference in the game. I mean, Iowa was not going to win this game, whether that call went their way or not, but it, it, it just made it feel a little worse. Mm-hmm. So Iowa sits at 10 and three now. Where do you, where do you, where would you want to see Iowa play a bowl game? You know, I, I haven't even looked into it to even know what the options are. What are the options? Sounds like the Citrus Bowl is kind of the front runner. Okay. I mean, I, I think the bottom line is as many things that, that Iowa has had to go through this year, I think you just you just enjoy this bowl game. You enjoy having 10 wins this year. You know the schedule is going to get tougher next year. So, um Enjoy this defense for what it is. Um, I mean, I know the defense is good every year, but this is a special group. Castro, mm-hmm. Higgins. I mean, those Absolutely. guys just all year long have been all over the field making plays. I think that they say tonight Higgins had the second most tackles uh, in all yeah, of college something football. Like yep. Something like that. The, the, the guys just played phenomenal. The defensive line has been phenomenal. So no matter where you go to a bowl game, go have fun. Go enjoy it. Um, you know, you just never know what's going to happen with Kirk. You don't know what's going to happen um, with these West coast teams coming in. So enjoy it and, and uh, soak it all in. I, I would say. Yeah. I'm right there with you, Chad. Thank you as always for your time. This has been Hawkeye Sunday presented by color manufacturing from the channel seat studios. We'll see you next time. Iowa everywhere.